Well, I am absolutely delighted this afternoon to have with me as our guest, Catherine May. Now, Catherine is an internationally best-selling author and podcaster living in Whitstable. Her most recent book, Enchantment, became an instant New York Times and Sunday Times bestseller. And I did actually notice that Catherine was on Good Morning America the other day. <laughs> uh, internationally best-selling hybrid memoir, which is called Wintering, The Power of Rest and Retreat in Difficult Times, was adapted as BBC Radio 4's Book of the Week. And it was also shortlisted for the Porchlight and Barnes and Noble Book of the Year. The Electricity of Every Living Thing, which is Catherine's memoir of a midlife autism diagnosis, was adapted as an audio drama by Audible. Catherine's podcast, How We Live Now, ranks in the top 1% worldwide. What an achievement. And she's been, I feel, I feel very humbled by that. And she's been a guest presenter for On Being's The Future of Hope series. Catherine lives with her son, husband and son, two cats and a dog. And she loves walking. That's something that Catherine and I absolutely share. Sea swimming and pickling slightly unappealable, unappealing things. I'm dying to know, Catherine, <laughs> what those things might be. <laughs> I have a very, um, a very strange compulsion to preserve everything. Like I, I just hate wasting food, but I mm. think sometimes in the service of that. I create more food in the you know <laughs> than really is helpful, um, and and so I I have this habit of of seeing, you know, anything weird and thinking oh, I could take that home and pickle it. So things like a you know a sort of a mooly reduced to ten pence that that kind of gets me really excited. I'm like, oh, I'll make something very exciting with that. And I there's a bit in wintering where that kind of comes from. Is there's a bit of wintering where I talk about. Um, the day that I decided that I might pickle the the ash keys, which are the seeds of the ash tree that uh, of the tree that hangs over my garden, oh wow! Um, I I didn't do it in the end because I looked at them and I thought they look really woody. Like what am I going to do with that? <laughs> <laughs> but this summer I did make um, capers from nasturtium seeds, and they were actually oh, okay. They smelt sulfurous, but they tasted good. So, um, <laughs> they smelt sulfurous. It, sometimes it pays off. <laughs> Well, I guess it's the taste that's important over the smell, really. Um, yeah, you just have to not breathe when you're eating them. <laughs> oh, my word. Crikey, I, I'm trying to think of the most exotic thing I've ever pickled, but I think it's possibly a damson. So that's not oh, terribly exotic at all. damsons are really nice. That's a lovely thing. Yeah, very nice indeed. I love damsons generally. But Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we're really delighted to have you on the show. And um, I know our listeners will be uh, eagerly listening in to what you have to say. So um, I'd like to me. start. <laughs> no, thank you. I'd like to start, Catherine, with just a little bit about your personal connection to the southwest coast and and what drew you to this particular coastline and sort of what it is that captivates you about the southwest coastline. It was a complete accident, really, because uh, I, I went on holiday to Devon and mm -hmm. uh, well, no, sorry, I'm saying holiday. It was my honeymoon. I'm, I'm underplaying <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> a special then, holiday. Uh, yeah, so we, uh, it was the days before the internet. I've been married a very long time and um, we looked through a big brochure of hotels and saw the Thurston Hotel and, and thought it looked nice. So booked ourselves a couple of days there. Yeah. And just one night, I, you know, we wandered out of the hotel and I noticed this coast path, you know, signposted. 
and just walked along to Hope Cove. And I'd, I'd never really walked very far before. And, I, you know, it wasn't something I'd have thought I was interested in, but mm. I thought it was so utterly beautiful. And I, I felt like I'd found a sort of gateway to another another world almost. Mm. And and after that, I, you know, we came back to Devon and have done ever, every year since. Um, and I, I, you know, walked different bits of the path and just completely fell in love with it. I can really relate to that. That that word you use there, gateway to another mm. world. I feel like that every time I drive down the M5 because I live in landlocked Warwickshire. And oh gosh, yeah. I find that I really struggle with that. There's a <laughs> there's a, a plan. There's a plan hatching. But um, <laughs> good. <laughs> I feel like it's a gateway. Um, there yeah. are there's some trees on a mound called the Coming Home Trees and perhaps heard of them but um as you drive down the m5 and you know it feels like a gateway to another world so i completely resonate with that yeah. it's um in, in one of your your books catherine the electricity of every living thing you describe your quite sort of transformative journey along the southwest coast path and i'm wondering how the landscapes and the rhythm of walking and the solitude contributed to your creative process and maybe even personal growth because I certainly found it a transformative journey so I don't know if you've got any thoughts around that yeah it was um you know it was at a time in my life when my son was three um and I was uh, you know I was trying to really understand what my life was at that point and why I was finding it so hard to cope with Mm. Um, and I was drawn yet again to the southwest coast path as I have been so many other times but this time I really wanted to to walk for you know for a long time and not to keep doing little one hour sections and things like that mm. um, and in the process of doing that I think I just got this you know this enormous space opened up this kind of reflective space and more than that most of the time I was so exhausted that I wasn't even consciously thinking you know I, I needed that level of tiredness almost that comes from oh, one of those I... terrible slogs up cliffs yeah <laughs> yeah and it and, and there was something about that that after a couple of hours of walking I'd I'd feel like I was almost empty and it was such a relief to be relieved of myself somehow um and yeah and and that really it opened up as I, as I wrote about an electricity it, it, it led to me realizing I was autistic and, and getting a diagnosis at, at 39 years old so yeah yeah huge change you sent shivers up my spine literally actually Catherine because some of the things that you've just mentioned there that being too tired physically to sort of have mm. have to think or think about anything else and feeling almost empty I can also relate to that as well. I think that's mm. something that happens when you're walking more than just a few miles, but yeah. it's incredibly liberating. Oh, I so found. Liberating. Yeah, it's almost, I mean, I, I read uh, Michael Pollan's book about psychedelics recently and, and, you know, he talks about the dissolution of self, the idea that you, as you know yourself, kind of vanish. And, and I do feel like that happens to me on a long walk. I, I just mm. disappear. And yet, what's really funny about those moments is that afterwards, I realised that that's when incredible work has gone on behind the scenes, you know, but the front of my brain isn't doing it. And it's it's often after a walk like that, that big changes and big understandings or big shifts in, in meaning will 
will have already landed in me without me being conscious of them. I, I think I think walking and change are so intrinsically linked. It's we don't talk agree. about that enough. It's not exercise, you know. <laughs> that's not what I do it for. No, and I think that's I, I'm reading a book about the um Camino um Santiago oh, yeah. Compostela at the moment because it's on my to-do list as I'm sure it's on millions of other people's. I tend to mm. prefer quieter paths, but I will do that one. But it, you know, I've been reading a lot about exactly what you've just said there, and, and people are not really doing it for exercise. That's almost the last reason that they're doing it, but yeah. actually they're doing it for some other sort of transformation or, or sort of cerebral moments so were there mm. any particular experiences Catherine or moments from your time on the path that that had a profound impact on you or was it more of a general you know <laughs> sort of realization um, of, of certain things it's funny actually it's it's hard to pinpoint because it, in a weird way it was it was not the moments that I was finding beautiful um, you know, like the Heartland Coast was such a revelation for me. I just, mm. I didn't, I just didn't know someone like that existed. <laughs> I mean, I, could, I really, it was, it was breathtaking. It, it but is. actually, I mean, for me, it's weird because I think it was the times when I was walking along the boring bits in the rain <laughs> that, mm. that ended up, you know, because I wasn't enjoying myself always through it. Mm -hmm. um, and it, there was something about that sense of pushing on through, of really hitting your your kind of sense of like desperation and rock bottom and having that fight against yourself to carry on. Mm. Um, they were the moments that that I really felt gave me this new belief in what I could do and, and what I was able to endure. Mm. And, it, and they made me feel kind of brave and resilient and strong and determined. And I didn't, it was like, you don't enjoy them at the time, but the aftermath of them, you think, oh, I did that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I can, I can also, I mean, I'm relating to everything you're saying, Catherine, but, you know, I remember one time in Mullion Cove and mm. I'd been stung by some wasps. It then started oh. to rain torrentially. The wind was so strong that I actually got blown over onto the floor. But I found <laughs> myself lying on the floor, looking up at the sky and I was just laughing because yeah. I felt, well, I'm here, I'm alive. And if I can yeah. cope with all this and everything was being thrown at me that day and my mind was empty of everything else, as you've said, then, mm. you know, I think you do discover something quite brave about yourself. It's so life affirming, isn't it? <laughs> You're making me think of, and I'm trying to think of exactly where I was, but I was, I was over the Cornish border by then. And mm -hmm. I, it was just, it rained and rained and rained. <laughs> and then at some point it started hailstoning. <laughs> and I had my phone in my hand at the time because I was trying to take a photo of the rain. And the hailstones were so bad that my screen cracked. Oh my and word. <laughs> really? Oh gosh, that I is know. bad. And then later it rained on me again and the water got into the phone and destroyed the phone. But, you know, oh, no, but I, and I remember taking, there was like a, there was an overhang of rock and I took shelter under this overhang of rock. And I remember looking out at the hailstones and thinking, this is just spectacularly bad, yeah. but also spectacularly good at the same time in a way that I would struggle to explain to anyone who wasn't a walker. Yeah. Um, and, and of course the great thing is the hailstones passed and the sun came out and, and yes, I didn't have a phone anymore, but there was something I felt like I'd survived something really <laughs> elemental and and yeah 
I, you take that back away with you. You do. You really do. And and I think that's one reason, Catherine, why your your writing resonates so much. I mean, it resonates with with many types of reader, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And I can only speak for sort of my own reading, but um, it resonates with readers who who really find solace and inspiration in the natural world, which clearly you do. I, I do as yeah. well. But have you got any? insights or advice maybe that you'd offer to to listeners who would like to connect more deeply with nature you know they might not be writers or artists maybe they're just individuals seeking <clears throat> some sense of renewal for themselves but is there any yeah. sort of nuggets of advice you could give yeah I mean the thing that I'm always careful to say is that actually until I walked the southwest coast path I didn't see myself as an outdoorsy person at all okay like I, that's how I learned it And that meant learning to be in discomfort, in uncertainty, um, and and, you know, all of the things that I was previously trying to avoid, you know, to have wet boots. Um, Mm. And I I think the thing that I'd say to anyone is that we need to let go of this very heroic vision of the person in nature and the idea that it's only any good if you're an absolute wilderness and you know <laughs> etc cetera, etc cetera, mm. and that you must walk very far and that you must be very fit and that it must somehow be a kind of complicated uh, impressive mission mm. i actually think we all need permission to make our own relationship with nature however small and that includes acknowledging the really awful parts of it as I mean that's pretty much solely what I've talked about so far is like you know the, the bits that are, that, are, that are difficult because mm. it's a bit like having a relationship with a person you have to bring your whole self to it and accept their whole self yeah and nature is you know so easily diminished by the kind of instagrammable grand views but it's often in that kind of more more routine exploration of it and, and just going back out there for a few minutes every day mm. that the, the real depth of relationship grows and that deep knowledge of your own territory and the places you love to me that's so much more important than being able to say i climbed x mountain or i have been to x famous place like of course sure, so have loads of other people whatever. yeah 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 <laughs> And it is about your personal connection, isn't it? But I think it's a really interesting point that you make about, I'm actually interested to learn that, you know, you wouldn't describe yourself as a a walker or or someone who was an outdoorsy type person before, because there we do differ, actually. I've always been that outdoorsy Mm -hmm. sort of type. But I can think of so many people, and I don't mean this as a judgment, but who would I know would benefit and I I just want to share the connection that I've had with the natural world with them but maybe they're people who are worried about getting wet getting their hair wet or getting their boots wet or so Mm. I'm really interested to hear that you turned a corner in that respect and and discovered something about yourself oh yeah and in fact I mean my you know, my friends found it hilarious when I said I was going to walk the South West Coast <laughs> Path because they were like, you, you'll hate it. <laughs> you're you much happier in a pub like, at the end of the walk. <laughs> um, and yeah, I and I, I really, for some reason, I was called to it. But, I, you know, I do think that sometimes those of us that have found solace in, in the outdoors probably evangelise too much and it probably just scares people away. You I mean, might be right. You know, it's it's a bit. Sometimes I think I'm guilty. Think I'm recruited into a cult, <laughs> and 
and yeah you have to feel that calling but yeah. I, I the important thing for me is when people do feel that calling that they feel permission to to go out there and to to access it because i think sometimes the way that we talk about nature can be very like it can really put people off ultimately mm. um and can make people feel like they have to have you know really complicated equipment deep knowledge and all this kind of thing and it's like mm. actually you can go out safely and and do it in stages and that's why something like the southwest coast path is so brilliant because you can you know other it's so well walked and so well understood mm. and like i'm grateful that we have that as opposed to when i look at american walkers who don't have you know i mean who do have paths like that but the great paths there are, are literally going out into the wilderness for 14 days and not seeing anyone like we're so lucky that yes. you can walk to a village and and actually yes. you know get a cup of tea at the end of it yeah yeah because we you and i both know that's pretty important at the end of the day as well oh I, there have been days when i've hallucinated a tea van i've been so desperate to see one <laughs> <laughs> yeah i concur with that <laughs> I'm keen, Catherine, to ask you about um, a little bit just about your book, Wintering, because I am sure of one of many, many people who will be listening who struggle sometimes um, mm. with with going into winter. And we're, we're just literally it's it's really opportune that now on the we're recording this on the 7th of November. And it certainly felt like we're plunging into winter mm. and darkness <laughs> at the moment yeah, in the sure last has. couple of days. Yeah. I'm sitting here actually with a hot water bottle on my lap, hoping it won't make a noise. But um, <laughs> so in your book, which is a really sort of special ode to the processes that we all go through into that darker months of the year, I wonder mm. how... I don't know, how, how are you feeling right now? Because we're just about to go into that now. And do you have any sort of, um, not advice, but sort of any mm. any glimmers of hope for people who, you know, from your book, Wintering, that, that people might be able to relate to and take something from? Yeah, I would say at the moment, I mean, I'm, as you are, noticing the, the darkening of the evenings and, you know, getting up in the dark, mm. coming home from any, any kind of work or activity in the dark. Um, and I and I think for me, like I've I have always been a winter lover, but that doesn't mean to say I don't find some aspects of it really hard. Mm. Um, and and I think what I'd say to people is that we need to learn to accept winter as a natural part of the of the seasons, you know. And I and that sounds really obvious, but actually, in the modern world, we can push it away very effectively with sticking the central heating on and, and electric light and so to all intents and purposes we're trying not to notice the changes that come over us in the winter mm. and and i think what we all need to do is find a balance of taking comfort in those things you know like it is no fun being cold and don't believe anyone that tells you otherwise <laughs> um but but also allowing our bodies to adapt to the season and accepting that winter offers a very different way of life. And so mm -hmm. trying to come into contact with the cold sometimes, getting outside, being there for sunrise and sunset so that your body can adapt to the different pace of days and accepting that your behaviour will naturally change when you start to live with winter as well. Like if mm -hmm. you're, you're not trying to make things summer all the time. Um, and so th things like we do naturally sleep more in winter mm. and 
there's this very ancient pattern of sleeping that comes about in winter which is of course and a second sleep um and so we often think we get insomnia in the winter but actually that's our body's way of dealing with the longer nights we wake in the night and that's okay we can do things in that space mm. um and also like winter is a naturally very reflective restorative contemplative time Mm -hmm. And and we can allow that to happen. We don't have to always be going out and doing and making and creating. Sometimes we can just gestate a bit, I suppose I'd say. Yeah, I think it's that acceptance that people really struggle with. And mm. I know I do. I struggle with as well. And I'm picking up on something you said there, which is trying to make it summer. And I'm completely guilty of that. I mean, I'm really fortunate. I've got a real fire and wood burner. So there's nothing mm. nicer than to cozy up and, you know, become all sort of Scandinavian, if, if you like. But, yeah, a bit of but, but, but also, <laughs> I, I do try to bring summer into my winter. And, and I think perhaps I, I need to stop doing that but you've given some really good tips there and I think that whole watching the sunrise and watching the sunset because that's that's really easy to do because it's within our waking hours but Definitely. I think that would give us a sense of where we are and what winter is as well I really like that yeah. idea well I, I think the thing is that there's beauty in every season but it's a mm. different beauty so the beauty of winter is very different to the beauty of summer but it's still gorgeous and mm. I, I just think this this sort of practice of fighting the winter and trying to sit out, you know, one of the whole quarters of every single year. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's actually just making our lives much harder, like actually go out in the cold. I mean, but you know what? It's interesting to be talking about the southwest coast path with this, because I do think being by the sea really helps mm. because there's so much light reflected back off the water. And I, there's something about that that is that you know I find very helpful and I know not everybody has that sorry <laughs> no I know and well you're talking to one of them yes I um, know my dad used to live in Warwick so. <laughs> oh did he well I'm literally yeah. I can walk to Warwick from where I am so uh, so yeah and I am very landlocked but you're absolutely right because there's so much more to watch so I can watch the light changing here but actually you're right mm. on the coast path you can watch the sea change the light of the, the coast is completely different and and, and just yeah. watching the waves change watching the light change there's so much more to be engaged in that I, I think you're right mm. um you are very kindly Catherine um as we're talking about the path to, you're very kindly an ambassador for the Southwest Coast Path Association and I know that you are keen to sort of help raise awareness about the path mm. and and support the charity that, that looks after it sort of why did you feel the 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 need or, or why were you happy to do that what is it about that charity that you you can really champion and support well it, it's just a place that's meant so much to me over the years and mm. I feel evangelical about it I mean I you know as you say you were talking about thinking about walking the um the uh, Santiago route, route yeah. you know when we were speaking earlier and yeah. I don't understand why we don't value our our beautiful southwest coast path on the same mm. level as those great paths that are very well known it's such an extraordinary path there is nowhere like it mm. it's exceptionally beautiful and it's also exceptionally challenging i think oh gosh no I, no mistake in that absolutely <laughs> 
but although you know there's a bit of me that would love to keep it all to myself and have it being beautifully quiet all the time mm. I just want people to understand what an exceptional thing we have here and I would mm. love to encourage more people to have the sort of transformative journey I've had on it it's it's just magnificent I I agree and actually <laughs> Catherine when I was reading just well I'm continually reading about the um Camino but when I was reading about it I actually keep getting pangs of disappointment because I keep reading that <laughs> perhaps it's not as challenging as the Southwest Coast Path or it's not as rugged or there aren't as many wow moments because you and I would have mm. turned every corner and just gone wow and yeah. been astounded yeah. by Those beauty yeah. and so yeah. I think you know certainly I haven't walked a path since that I have been so immersed in or engaged mm. with so much or been so impressed with so you make such a good point you know it's on our doorstep there's, and we're so lucky so little that's nearly as good and yeah. and you know for me like I it transformed my fitness you know I had like the first mm. the first time I climbed I think it was on Exmoor going up um oh gosh yes. yeah yeah <laughs> and uh I I honestly nearly blacked out. <laughs> it was really, it was really, really hard. Um, and but then my my lungs learned to love that feeling of climbing a, a really steep hill. And mm -hmm. it's so hard to explain to people the joy that you get, the physical joy yes. that comes back to you from walking this particular route with the sea at your side. Yes. In you know such beautiful circumstances with you know hearing ravens cawing around you or not cawing croaking at you yeah all of those things that are swirling on around you on it i yeah i just i want i want to get people there well i'm so glad you do i'm so glad you do catherine one question two questions they're sort of like um rapid fire questions really okay um, <laughs> that, that i ask it's it's kind of that um, first word that comes into your head kind of question but um i ask all our guests on the podcast these two questions and and one is what's your do you have a favorite stretch of the path oh yeah the bit from garra rock to pool point every time love it the green all that green rock <laughs> yeah yeah and and the rock formation is is incredible all the way around the path but actually that is really unusual to see and mm, quite spectacular incredible. isn't it i managed to take my sorry this isn't a quick answer but i managed to take no, no, my no. son on it for the first time this year i've never he's never been very interested before but he wanted to walk with me this summer and i took him along that stretch and he he was wowed by it. He couldn't believe it. He's 11 years old and oh, gosh. he he had no idea what it was going to be like. And I was thrilled. <laughs> Isn't it great when you can share that with someone, when you can take someone special to you, to that special spot to you, and yeah. they have a similar reaction and they're also sort of awed by it. I just love it yeah. when that happens. It was nice. I mean, it's it's a wild bit of the path, but it's actually quite an easy bit of the path. You don't, yeah. you know, it's it's not too bad. You're on a, once you get onto it, you're on, on kind of a level mostly. No, exactly. Um, and so it was it was such a perfect introduction. I'm so pleased he agreed. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm so pleased to hear that. And and Catherine, my final question to you is have you got and this is really hard, I know everybody <laughs> tells me they can't do it, but is there one word that you could use to sum up the path our, our beloved path <sighs> healing there we go ah <laughs> yes and I, I think I'm right in saying that in this whole year of podcast nobody's used that word before 
but I can oh, completely understand why you've used it. Yeah, it's I mean, that's the effect it's always had for me. And I still crave it when I when I need something again. So, yeah, it's 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 like my medicine, really. And I think it, it is for so many other people as well. I think you're speaking on behalf of thousands, tens of thousands, if not more <laughs> people who have had exactly that same response. Oh, um, yeah. But Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been well, a real pleasure to speak with you and, and particularly because I'm nodding. We've got our cameras off, but I am nodding at everything <laughs> you say because I'm just emphatically agreeing. Um, oh, that's really nice. It's so nice to be able to talk about it, you know, with someone who understands. With someone who understands, I know that's the thing because I, I'm very much guilty. I've been banned in my family home from talking about it anymore because <laughs> it's just I'm just waxing lyrical every day. So, oh, <laughs> but I, I do urge our uh, listeners to to read Catherine's books because they are beautifully written, and you'll perhaps have got a sense of some of them in this um, short chat with Catherine today. But thanks again, Catherine, and um, we look forward to whatever it is you're going to do next. <laughs> thanks very much. Well, that was so lovely being able to chat with Catherine May. If you haven't read her books, I really urge you to do so or listen to her own podcast, which is called How We Live Now with Catherine May. It was a real pleasure to talk with Catherine, particularly about how walking the path has had such a healing effect on her life and those around her. But I know from all our experiences that the path does have a transformative effect and so many people talk about that healing process. If you've enjoyed listening to Catherine, do listen to our next episode in the series where I chat with Raina Wynne, celebrated author of The Salt Path, which in 2024 will be hitting our screens in movie format. Exciting times, so please do tune in to that next episode and thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.